With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Nonprofit Coach Podcast. Since 2010, the most listened to show in the nonprofit sector dedicated to helping your charity succeed. It's no secret that combining online and offline techniques is the key to fundraising success and practical nonprofit management advice is what you need. The Nonprofit Coach Podcast with Ted Hart is the perfect landing point to learn from experts around the world who provide advice you can use. Ted Hart is, without a doubt, one of the foremost nonprofit thought leaders. Also a successful author, his books range from successful online fundraising to expert nonprofit management. Guests on the Nonprofit Podcast are leaders in their field who share their insider tips and trade secrets in a conversational style both the experienced and novice will benefit from. Ted and his guests help you and your organization move to greater levels of efficiency and fundraising success. Ted lectures around the world, but now he's here for you. After the show, you can find all of our podcasts at tedhart.com on iTunes. And now, just say, Alexa, play Nonprofit Coach on TuneIn. Now, welcome the host of the Nonprofit Coach Podcast, Ted Hart. Welcome here to the latest edition of the Nonprofit Coach Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. This is our special holiday edition. And of course, uh, for those of you who have been with us a, a number of years, you know that our guest for our holiday session here is always Kay Sprinkle Grace, and she will be joining us today on the topic of the 2020s innovations that can create 2021 success for your organization. Uh, but first up, we're moving on over to page one. First up here on uh, page one news, Eva Eldridge is here with us, President and CEO of CFRE International. Eva, great to have you here, particularly on uh, one of the most popular shows of the year is, of course, the Case Sprinkle Grace uh, podcast here on the Nonprofit Coach. Uh, great to have you here with us. Um, help us understand what's going on at CFRE and what 2021 will look like. Thanks, Ted. Always good to be here. Uh, actually, 2021, we've made a lot of progress at CFRE. We're at about 7,500 certificates now worldwide, and we're really excited about uh, one new innovation we have that launches in 2021, and that is online proctoring. That means that individuals will be able to take the CFRE exam from their home or office computers. Well, that certainly allows people that are concerned about contact with others um, to have the safety of their own home office. Exactly. We are very cognizant about uh, that issue this year and have been working to get that in place. Um, you know, as an accredited credential, we need to make certain that uh, the uh, exam is secure. And uh, we've done that through partner partnering with Pearson view and using their on view online proctoring system. So we really hope that will make anyone who's been wondering about, do they want to do the CFRE because of COVID concerns, um, that it will give them extra comfort and they will feel free to go ahead and get their CFRE in 2021. And even post uh, COVID that, you know, just not having to travel someplace or make other arrangements and being able to do it on your own schedule is still going to be a benefit for those who are considering taking the exam. Absolutely. You know, it's going to allow a lot more flexibility. Um, even post-COVID, uh, it will be an option that I think a lot of people will really appreciate being able to, you know, have that advantage, of, as, as you said, Ted, not having to travel. Um, of course, it's not going to be for everyone. You do have to have a nice quiet space. Um, computers have to have a certain amount of technical ability to be able to run the secure software. 
But still, I think it's going to be something that is really going to overall increase accessibility to the CFRE exam, which is something we are all about. Terrific, terrific. What else should we be thinking of? And uh, certainly, as, as you know, here on the Nonprofit Coach, we encourage all professionals who can qualify for the CFRE exam to please make arrangements uh, to show your professionalism and to sit for the exam. Uh, for those who are considering this now and are looking at 2021 as their year, uh, what should they have in, in, in their minds? Well, I know one thing some of our certificates have been you know, letting us know is that you know, certainly the educational landscape is not the same because of conferences either not taking place or being moved to a virtual format. But you know, this is a great time to take advantage of virtual learning opportunities. And on my education finder on the CFRE website, uh, individuals can go and search uh, for hundreds of offerings from our approved education providers to find what's going to work for them, whether it's a, a virtual offering, a hybrid offering, and again, a lot of different price points for continuing education. So I would encourage everyone out there, you know, even though this has been a very odd year, uh, you know, use the time that you do have to continue your professional development um, by taking advantage of what education is available, and there are a lot of offerings, and also maybe taking some of that time to think about, is this the time for you to get your CFRE? And one of the things that I'm hearing, Ava, and you may be hearing this as well, is that, you know, because so many conferences have either been canceled or moved online, the price point and certainly the savings on travel has, has actually freed up some dollars for, uh, for some charities. So this could be the perfect time to use those year-end uh, budget dollars to be able to make your plans for 2021. Absolutely. And I think that's the main thing, especially when the world is uncertain. You know, there are some things we can control, and one of those is doing everything possible to take a look at what you've done to develop yourself professionally. You know, this is a quiet time over the holidays. You know, maybe take just a few hours. Take a look at what you've done the last several years. Are there gaps in your education or, you know, your professional practice that need to be filled? And think about what are the ways that that can happen? Because it's important that no matter what's happening out there in the environment, that we as professionals continue to invest in ourselves and our knowledge. And it's not just for us, although that's certainly an important part, but also for the organizations that we serve that are certainly you know, having a lot of hardships right now that no one ever expected. So we as professionals want to do the best that we can for our organizations, and that's another way in which continuing to develop yourself professionally pays big dividends not only for you yourself, but also for what you can do to make certain that your organization thrives during these difficult times. Yeah. Well, we certainly appreciate you uh, coming back here on The Nonprofit Coach and tying this topic into uh, Kay Sprinkle Grace's topic uh, today. Certainly any organization that's looking to innovate and to find ways to be even more successful in 2021 are going to need skilled professionals to do that, and certainly having the CFRE uh, certification is one way to show that you're in that pool of professionals that are available for nonprofit organizations as they look to innovate and change in 2021. Eva Eldridge, happy holidays, and thanks again for joining us. We look forward to having you back next year. Thanks, Ted. Happy holidays to you, too. Take care. Next up here on page one for the Nonprofit Coach is Ada uh, uh, Kolar, who is a Communications and Outreach Manager at Candid.org. Uh, welcome back and uh, happy holidays. Hi, Ted. Happy holidays. Thank you for having me on your show again to share the latest from Candid. Um, just so much going on at Candid. Um, help us uh, understand how our listeners can best utilize all of the resources of Candid as they look to improve their, their resources for 2021. Absolutely. Well, you know, Candid's a nonprofit organization that provides information about nonprofits, foundations, and the social sector as a whole. And our data tools on nonprofits, foundations, and grants are the most comprehensive in the world. So we really recommend that people check it out. Our website is www.candid.org. And so, as you might remember, Candid was formed in February last year when Foundation Center and GuideStar joined forces. So 2020 is our first full year as Candid. And 
I was thinking I could share some reflections from this year as well as some exciting things that are on the horizon. I hope you will. All right. Sounds great. So as our first full year, we continued to integrate Classic Foundation Center and Classic Guide Star into Candid. And one thing we planned to focus on was more of that integration, which we have been doing this year. But things don't always happen the way we plan, and this year is definitely no exception. It's been quite a year for everyone. And we've seen the devastation that's been caused by COVID-19 and racial injustice. And so we really wanted to provide information and resources to people for how they could do good during this time. So we created a COVID-19 funding website and map to help people learn more about the philanthropic response to coronavirus. And people can go to that webpage at candid.org forward slash coronavirus. So that's for everyone from nonprofits who are seeking to support, you know, because of this crisis, funders who wish to learn more, or just anyone who wants to know more about this unprecedented philanthropic response. And it really is unprecedented. As of today, Canada has tracked $16.7 billion in COVID-19 pledges and commitments, which far exceeds any disaster or crises we've ever seen. You know, so... Um, Another thing that we did was we expanded our racial equity funding website and map, you know, because we really believe at Candid that realizing racial equity here and around the world is going to require nonprofits and foundations to step up like they never have before. And so now on our racial equity funding website, we um, have data, news, analysis, and perspectives. And as of today, we've tracked $10.9 billion in racial equity pledges and commitments for 2020 which is really astounding if you think of the fact that we've tracked $14.4 billion in racial equity pledges and commitments since 2011. So most of the racial equity pledges and commitments have come from this year. And um, the website for our racial equity funding page is pretty long. So the easiest way to find the website is if you go to our homepage, candid.org, and if you scroll down to the what do you need to know today section, and you'll find links to both coronavirus and racial equity funding websites. And so, you know, as always, we've had launches this year. We released our 2030 vision, which people can check out at candid.org forward slash 2030. And in it, we lay out our vision, which is that we envision a social sector capable of tackling the critical challenges and opportunities of our time. We lay out our role in the social sector and we lay out our goal, which is that by 2030, Canada will provide a comprehensive global information ecosystem that supports excellence throughout the social sector. And so this year, we also launched peace building report. We launched our annual peace and security funding index. Um, we launched philanthropy and COVID-19 in the first half of 2020 report. We launched our annual state of disaster philanthropy report. We launched our annual 2020 nonprofit compensation report, which reviews key employee compensation at more than 113,000 tax-exempt organizations, and is quite a thorough, um, you know, report. And so, so there's been a lot of stuff going on this year, both the things we planned, like the reports in the Canada 2030, and also the things we hadn't anticipated, like coronavirus and racial equity. But we've really just focused on providing the information people need so they can do good. And so um, that's, you know, a big part of 2020, but I thought we could also talk about some exciting things that are on the horizon. And well, um, I certainly wanted to ask you to do that, but be, before you uh, go and, and look at 2021, I do want to take the opportunity on behalf of everyone at CAF America, which is the organization, as my listeners know, I have the privilege of serving as president and CEO. I want to thank everyone at Candid for uh, the links that you have uh, provided to our candid, uh, our, to our COVID-19 uh, reports, uh, one through five, that have already been issued, uh, and we really appreciate you adding that to your COVID uh, coverage and providing the uh, the links to your readers and and uh, those who rely on candid. So I just want to thank you for that opportunity for you to uh, link to the work that we continue to do and for uh, listeners to know, and certainly this will be a topic as I'm talking to Kay Sprinkle Grace in a few moments. Uh, we are in the field right now with survey for uh, volume six 
uh, which will be uh, issued, uh, the survey itself, the survey results will be issued next month. So again, thank you to Candid. But let's, um, let's take a look at what does 2021 look like as you uh, begin planning for Candid. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and to that point, um, you're more than welcome. And we thank you for providing the information because that's how we're able to provide information to other people. You know, we really focus on transparency, getting the information people need. And one way we get the information that people need is by getting the information from other organizations. So that's really important. We really encourage people to report to us um, so that we can, you know, have that stuff and be able to share it with people and organizations. And so, um, you know, in terms of just some exciting things that are on the horizon, one of them is actually happening this Wednesday. And on December 16th, we're launching our community philanthropy directory. And what it is is a free global database of community philanthropic organizations. The directory is meant to serve as a reference tool for the field of community philanthropy by providing an overview of community philanthropy organizations around the world. And so on the directory, you're gonna be able to identity, identify community philanthropy organizations by region, by subject area. You can identify them by you know, the sustainable development goals, um, you know, the population served, or you can search for an organization by name. So it's really just expanding um, you know, the resources we have on community philanthropy organizations. And so um, that's one thing. And, you know, another thing is to be on the lookout for the 2021 Fields of Transparency. So, you know, as you know, Candid isn't a watchdog organization. We don't evaluate or rate nonprofits. Our goal is to provide unbiased information to help people and organizations make educated decisions. And like you mentioned regarding um, you know, providing information that we included on our COVID-19 page, you know, so people know to reach out to you. The same, you know, is true with a field of transparency. When a nonprofit updates its nonprofit profile, it can earn a seal of transparency. And, you know, this year, almost 35,000 organizations have earned a 2020 seal of transparency. And almost 6,000 of those have earned the 2020 Platinum Seal, which is our highest recognition. And so for our 2021 Seal to Transparency, one of the things that we're focusing on is making sure that organizations of all sizes, including small grassroots organizations, can participate. So in order to do that, we're rebalancing some of the requirements, especially to make a bronze seal easier for organizations to achieve. And we've more and more been, um, you know, trying to encourage people to support, you know, to report their DEI information. And so that's another thing that we're doing, supporting the sector by seeking DEI information and recognizing it with a gold seal of transparency. It's really encouraging hmm. people to do more of that. And just, you know, a lot of new and exciting partnerships with foundations, associations, other platforms. And so, you know, more announcements will come throughout 2021. Um, but the 2021 seals of transparency are coming out at the end of January. So watch emails and social media. Well, uh, and I thank you for giving us a heads up on that, that there are some substantive changes to uh, the seal of transparency. And we, uh, just as uh, we encourage all of our listeners uh, to seek the CFRE, designation, if they qualify, we uh, ask that all of our charity partners uh, seriously consider uh, uh, receiving the uh, and seeking the, the seal at whatever level is appropriate for them, uh, bronze, uh, gold, or platinum, uh, for uh, to show their commitment to the various aspects that uh, uh, the Candid uh, provides on their website. So we'll watch for those updated uh, requirements uh, for the various levels. And, and I just have to say, I'm, I'm really thrilled that uh, uh, time and thought is being given at least at the, the bronze level for smaller nonprofits that may not have as many resources but still want to be able to show to their donors their commitments uh, that there's going to be some changes to uh, to the qualifications there. I think that will help a lot of uh, a lot of charities. So definitely something to look forward to for 2021. And Aida Kolar, thank you so much uh, for being our guest here, and we look forward to having you back uh, here on the Nonprofit Coach in the new year. And happy holidays. Thank you so much. Happy holidays. Stay safe. 
Terrific. And that concludes uh, page one news for uh, this Nonprofit Coach podcast. So that means it's time to go to page two. Kay Sprinkle Grace is no stranger here to the Nonprofit Coach. As a matter of fact, this show, our holiday show, is generally most years the most popular show of the year, and we do know that that's because Kay Sprinkle Grace is here live with us. Uh, Kay is passionate about a lot of things, but nothing more than philanthropy, and she has devoted the last 30 years to the nonprofit sector, providing seminal thought and groundbreaking, habit-breaking strategies that challenge boards and staff to re-engineer the vocabulary of uh, fundraising. Her seven books and frequent speaking engagements all around the world reflect her restless uh, quest for the ever-improved capacity of organizations to truly serve uh, their communities. And uh, very, very proud of Kay uh, in that she has just uh, been named and just received the Golden Gate Chapter of AFP's Lifetime Achievement Award. Uh, she also uh, has uh, uh, the Fundraising Professional of the Year Award from the AFP uh, Global uh, Organization and the Henry Rosso uh, Medal for Lifetime Achievement in Ethical Fundraising from the Lilly Family School of Philanthropy. Uh, but most importantly, she's here live with us here on the Nonprofit Coach. Welcome back, Kay Sprinkle Grace. Thank you, Ted. It's such a delight to be here. And I feel really energized by both Eva's uh, report and then the candid report as well, uh, because I think it aligns very well with what you and I want to talk about this morning. Yeah, and we have a lot to talk about today, and I want to sort of uh, uh, tee off the, uh, the conversation here um, with, uh, uh, on 2020 innovations that can uh, create 2021 success, because I know you always have very practical advice for our listeners, which is why everybody uh, makes sure that they tune in to uh, Kay Sprinkle Grace here on The Nonprofit Coach. Uh, to draw attention to um, the surveys that I just mentioned, uh, on the Candid report that have been featured uh, on Candid as part of the coronavirus uh, reporting, uh, and that is the five reports, volume one through five of the Candid, uh, the COVID-19 reports uh, that CAF America has published, which are available at CAFAmerica.org. Um, and uh, we are currently in the field surveying and preparing uh, for volume six. And so on this topic of innovation, uh, Kay, with your permission, I just want to share a few things that we learned in this survey that I think will, you know, really tee it up to the conversation and the practical advice uh, that you uh, have for us. So in our reporting, uh, we, have, uh, we have learned from the global charities that we survey uh, that some 25% of charities around the world are really struggling and are concerned about being able to keep their doors open for the next 12 months. Uh, about 50% of charities um, believe that they probably can survive um, uh, this, uh, this coronavirus global pandemic, uh, and about 25% of charities are not certain what the future looks like. They may make it or they may not. We've delved into some of the strategies and tried to learn what charities are doing uh, to try to pivot, to try to uh, find resiliency um, during this uh, protracted uh, global pandemic. And, and Kate, just a few things for, for the backdrop of, of the, our conversation today. 83% uh, of charities that we surveyed have adapted their fundraising strategies. Uh, in that shift, 35% uh, have focused on new donor segments. 36% uh, have created new products or services, uh, while 49% have created new donor digital opportunities, um, and another 27% have increased their, uh, their engagement with their board members for, for fundraising. Uh, still another 35% have applied for public support. It's okay, as you can hear from all of that, lots of different kinds of strategies. But I think one of the, the things that really stood out for us in this report is just how many charities um, are looking to explore partnerships and working together, combining their resources as a way to find resiliency. 61% of charities reported that they are partnering with other organizations that can help them unlock new fundraising and funding opportunities. Another 58% of organizations are interested in partnering uh, with uh, charities to develop new services that better service their community. 
a 49%. uh, Their funders have indicated their interest in funding collaborative projects developed in partnership with other organizations. So I'm going to, I'm going to stop there, Kay, and, and, and come over and, and give you an opportunity to start uh, this show off. But, Kay, oftentimes we do see in the nonprofit sector that it is the impetus or the ideas that come through uh, the funders uh, that actually propel charities to make change. Um, and we're certainly seeing that in uh, in this survey. So, again, welcome back, Kay Sprinkle-Grace, and um, take it from here in terms of where we should start our dialogue on this topic of innovations in this year that can spell success next year. Well, you've really set a lovely table. Uh, let's put it that way. In the holiday spirit, you set a lovely table with your data, and I have had an opportunity to look at the, the kind of the heart of, of the report number five, and it really supports what I have been observing uh, while you have approached it in a very, um, you know, analytical way, which I love. Uh, mine, of course, is more anecdotal. And I am seeing exactly what you're seeing. And that's always, I think, the test of good data. If in the field you are also seeing that kind of behavior. And the only thing that I would add that you have not touched on, and I'm seeing it uh, immeasurably with my clients, is that Stewardship, donor stewardship, taking care of the donor after the gift has been made, which is the most highly neglected function in the development process, is something getting great attention. And we are using the tools of technology. We're having Zoom lounges and Zoom ins, and we're, we're really getting people engaged. We're keeping them engaged. And I think this has been a real benefit. So let me just kind of um, put the tablecloth on this, on this table and say that this topic came about because I am so excited about the innovation I'm seeing. And as we perhaps come to the beginning of the end of the beginning of this pandemic, that what I'm worried about is that we will slide back, that we will say, oh, thank goodness it's over. Oh, my gosh, we weathered that. Let's get back. And I, I love the sector, as you said. I'm so passionate about it. But, oh, my goodness, Ted, we can be so clunky. We can be so clunky, and we have proven that we don't have to be clunky. We can prove we have proven that we can be we can be swift, we can be nimble, and we can say, okay, we need to bring in these new donors. Okay, we need to be better stewards to these existing donors. We need to look at our communications. I saw that in another part of the study that communications was the highest regarded in regard of what they needed to work on. I am seeing this absolutely with my clients. Um, I'm on the board of Grace Cathedral, the beautiful Episcopal Cathedral here in San Francisco, and they had been looking at virtual you know, services as, as they looked at a more global footprint. And in their strategic plan, Ted, it was a, you know, a, a three-year build-out. They did it in two months. You know, because Because they put it together. They put their energy behind it. They got the funders. They got the public to understand, and it has been extremely successful. And they're also doing their more intellectual programs like Forum, even Yoga on the Labyrinth, which is a globally appreciated program. That's had a new component to it, as has the donor outreach. I work with a progressive synagogue in uh, Southern California, ICAR, and they, of course, had to navigate the high holy days on Zoom. The young development director built out new constituencies, brought in new members. They had a global audience, and they were able to craft the kind of experience that was very exciting for them. Yesterday afternoon, I watched one of our dance companies here, not San Francisco Ballet, but Smuin, which uh, is a, it's a more of a contemporary dance company, but they do ballet. And they had a combination of live streaming because they've had dancers working in pods. And so the dancers in the pods were able to go to their own studios in their new building, and they were able to create new dances And then, of course, they ran archival footage. So from the standpoint of product, 
And let's face it, Ted, if we don't get our product into the market, then who's going to know who we are? So whether it is mentoring programs, a very dear colleague of mine is with a program that mentors kids who are very young and have been through a lot of of really uh, dreadful life experiences already, they didn't lose a beat. Maybe there was one week when they had to pivot about how they would deliver their, their support services to these kids. So it began with the product for me in terms of looking at who seemed to be the sturdiest. And clearly, I mean, my work with the San Francisco Marine Food Bank, uh, I mean, they're a remarkable organization. They pivoted so fast that they were, you know, distributing 70% more food than they had ever distributed. You know, we put the building campaign a little bit on hiatus. We poured our efforts into the annual giving, and it has it's take its traction. And what we have seen is that there is this traction that develops when there is an exciting initiative. And so my concern, as we have innovated so successfully, and you just said it uh, as you were setting the table, um, how well, or maybe it was uh, the woman from Candid, but how well we respond to crises. So we have so much more money you know, going into racial equity pledges. We have $17.6 billion that has come in. My experience over the 30-plus years that I've been working professionally in the sector is that there is no better country on the planet than the United States of America when it comes to responding to crises, whether it's a tsunami in South Asia, an earthquake in Haiti, our very own problems that we have here, whether it's wildfires or whatever, we're great at crisis. We, once it becomes chronic, then I worry that we lose interest and we look for the next shiny thing. So part of our innovation commitment is that we have to keep innovating because that's how we stay uh, you know, in parallel with the shiny object, if you will. So in the workplace, what I'm seeing, and it really aligns well with, um, you know, with what I'm seeing from what you saw, is that the most important component of a strategic plan, as we have them, some of us have them beforehand, some of us are trying to figure them out now, is that our plan is really a plan about how to keep changing. In other words, mm-hmm. what are the factors we need to rely on? What is the community um, situation that we need to be responding to? We need to, in our workplace practices, think of the time that we have saved not driving or commuting to meetings. Think of that time that we have saved. Then, do we need to? (laughs) Do we need to drive that distance to have meetings anymore? I think there are a lot of people who say, let's alternate now. Sure, we want to be able to sit around a table and not be looking at ourselves on Zoom. They say that part of Zoom fatigue is that we're looking at ourselves because we're not used to that. We don't look at ourselves usually in a meeting. And, but we need to work out the things, and then, of course, we need also to, to increase the constituency. So here's where I am, Ted. And what I see is that we must, look beyond our organizations to our communities. I'm bullish on the philanthropic sector. I believe we have the reputation, we have the credibility, we have the experience, we have the transparency, we have the talent, we have the will to be leaders in solving problems that are sure to be present when this pandemic is over. We're going to have continued issues of racial, gender, and other inequity. We are going to continue to have food insecurity and housing insecurity. We need to be the proactive leader of gathering others, not just other nonprofits, but local governments, corporations, gathering them around the table and saying, how can we solve this problem? We have a leader role, Ted, 
We have a very important leader role, and the most effective leaders are innovators who are nimble and who are able to see the fullness of the situation. And activating these partnerships that you've talked about, amplifying our voice, and what we have to do, we have to offer the solutions. We can't wait mm-hmm. Others to come to us and say, you know, we'd like to, you know, give you some some money so that you can maybe work on this with us. No, let us go to them. Because I think in this really remarkable year we have lived through, what I'm seeing from your data and also from my observations is that we have stepped up to the plate. And we have, uh, I think you remember my acronym, Why Donors Invest in Us. It's, it's the acronym TRUE. It's trust, relevance, urgency, and experience. We are trusted. We are relevant, very relevant, whether whatever part of the social fabric we see a tear in, we have been there. We the situation is urgent, and we can offer an experience by guiding this human-centered design that will finally solve some of the issues we have. We're going to have a massive issue in education, Ted, because we have kids who have had to learn remotely, but they haven't had the technology or the setting where they could learn. They say that some kids will have lost a whole year of school. What can we do about that? How can we mobilize mm-hmm. people? And so what are the long-term effects of, of, of that as well? Kay, you always give us so much to think about, and I think that's why this show is always so, so popular, is you know, this is a good time for us to really be thinking about the broad topics and the issues that, as you say here, uh, can create 2021 success. If you don't mind, I, I wanted to um, just sort of focus in on the con- component parts of what you've talked about uh, today uh, yeah. because you, you've raised so many very, very big topics. I get on a roll. To, you know me, Ted. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great, and that's what we love um, about the show uh, is, um, you know, for, for all of our listeners today to to find those practical nuggets that they can really build upon you know, I think this issue of collaboration, and you shared some really uh, exciting um, uh, changes in organizations that you've directly worked with on innovation, where they've really changed the dynamic. They've stepped back and said, you know, business as usual is probably not business that's successful uh, for us right now. So we need to rethink. For organizations that are smaller or don't have the kind of resources uh, that others have, how can they think outside of the box, which is a very overused term, but outside of their own four walls um, where, you know, the, the, the name of the game is generally we've done it that way, this way, and we're doing it again. Um, right. And it's sort of chasing those dollars. I think that the, what we're seeing, what our surveys um, or CAF America are showing and, and what you're seeing anecdotally in the marketplace is that business as usual is not going to be business successful. So oh. what does the, the listener today need to be doing or challenging their organization to do to find new ways of thinking? Well, I think that it really gets back to the basics. Isn't it interesting that the most successful innovation never releases the basics from its whole plan? And one of the ways that we can find no matter if we're a very small organization. May I give you an example? Um, Right after the pandemic started, I got a phone call from a longtime client of mine uh, outside of San Francisco, still in California, but up in the foothills of the Sierra. And she said that her organization, which is about 25 years old, Uh, had decided that they'd like to discuss a merger with another organization. The other organization was very small, Ted, 
a very small organization. A very, they both are youth-centered organizations, and the, the one uh, that I've worked with over the years has a little broader mandate in the community uh, relative to developing skill sets and confidence particularly in girls, and then they started working with boys in some of their programs. They took on a, a housing program, a temporary housing. There were so many homeless youth in this, in this community. It's a community that sadly has had a lot of drug issues. They've addressed those. And then kind of ancillary to this was an independent organization, quite small, that provided only uh, after-school programs. Same population, though. So it was the same population, underserved kids, uh, youth, adolescent, theirs went up a little bit older. They basically served 18 to 25-year-olds, and um, the other organization was a bit, served a different population. So using um, some models that I had uh, worked with over the years and then one I developed that would work on this, that would work for this, we went through probably the most thoughtful merger process that I could imagine. And everybody was really in on it. I, I relied on the early work of Terry Deal and Alan Kennedy at Stanford on corporate culture because the two organizations had very different cultures. One was much more formal, aligned, and the other one was, you know, kind of uh, the two founders ran it and they'd been running it since they were 19 years old. You know, so it had a different feeling to it. And... But it was, getting to your question, the, the one that was less, shall we say, less well-equipped, um, they came to the, the older, more established organization and said, look, we're both serving the same population. And then, Ted, you won't be surprised, we ran their databases as part of the process. We ran the databases against each other. Same donors with a few exceptions. Because, and so this gets me to my point, is that we have drifted into what I think is an unfortunate way of expressing our mission. We have yielded to the corporate influence and our mission statements say what we do. Until we go back to the Rosso method of mission, which is that the mission statement isn't what you do, it's why you do what you do. What is the human or societal need that you're meeting? Bingo! With those two organizations, they were both meeting the same human or societal need, serving youth who were underserved, many of whom were homeless, and giving them life skills and support. And they just were doing it differently. But now they are one organization called Bright Futures for Youth. And it, to me, is just this remarkable example of how some of the smaller organizations that might be listening, if they could look at why they exist and think, who else in the community is working with the same population, the same descriptors, and might we partner? And in this case, it was a full merger. The merger went into effect um, you know, in the autumn, and we worked on this over the summer. And not only that, it went through both boards so quickly. We did such a thorough job looking at all of the product aspects, all of the community aspects, all of the financial aspects, and it is rolling. And I will be virtually present at a joint board meeting um, in January with them, and I am, I am so excited. But I think with smaller organizations, we hang on to what we do because we, we suspect that it's unique. It may be unique, but it could be possibly fit into a broader uh, organization. And I have to tell you that the best feedback we got on the merger was from the donors. And they didn't, mm-hmm. didn't start choosing, they didn't reduce their gift. They gave, they're giving now what they used to give to both organizations is going into the one organization. And, that's great. But what, yeah, and what are the takeaways what, for, for our listeners today? Because that certainly uh, is an option that, you know, weighed very heavily in terms of whether it's a merger or it's a partnership um, in the CAF America uh, global data. 
but what what are the triggers or what for our listeners today should they be looking for? Should they be scanning the environment to find a similar organization or looking at who they already partner with or who how how does that does that spark start for our listeners if what we're saying is it's a serious strategy that charities uh, when we're talking about innovation that can create a successful 2021 this is one of those strategies how does it get started i think it gets started by looking at your mission and if your mission expression is a what statement ask yourself why why do we exist what is the human or societal need that we are meeting and then look at those who are doing similar things in the community. And I think we all know, um, you know, I mean, similar kinds of organizations. I mean, some are very large, some are very visible, some are very quiet. Um, <coughs> here in San Francisco, we had several organizations that were dealing with, um, you know, issues of women who had had premature babies because they were not getting proper medical care. And then years ago, they came together under this one really amazing organization that then is able to reach out, work with hospitals. You know, it, it has, it is innovative in that it is able to do a more muscular job because it has the support of the, of the resources and community. The second thing is, Ted, that we need to be on top of whatever emerges in our communities, wherever they are, after this pandemic. And we need to start tracking it now. The first vaccinations are happening. We need to become better. Um, you know, I mean, I always say the problem with most of our planning that we do is that we look in the mirror instead of through the windows. We need to be great, you know, observers through our windows. What is happening in our community? How can we be there? How can we be present? How can we be leaders? And who can we bring along? And getting back to the merger that I did, the woman who runs the, the one organization, the larger of the two organizations as we began, she is a fantastic trend watcher. Why? Because she's involved in her community. And that's something that I think that even as pressed and as struggling as we are with juggling so many things, working from home, having kids on our lap while we're, you know, while we're doing the, the annual report, the point is that we need to do this kind of community involvement. So this woman who runs the other, the, the now the, um, the uh, merged organization, I mean, she's been on the school board, and she does these things so that she is plugged in, and she is a trend watcher. We need to become trend watchers. We need to look at our, at our mission. And, Ted, we also need to take a look at our vision and make sure that the vision is an encompassing vision for how our community will be a better place to live when, in fact, we are successful in what we have set out to do. So I think from a practical standpoint and a, and a strong beginning, taking a look, you know, at, at that mission and at the vision and then putting the lens, you know, looking out the window, putting the lens on your community and saying, given the attributes of our organization and given the needs that have emerged for instance, a lot of organizations, and you, it was in your study as well, the, the loss of volunteers. But it was amazing how the nimble organizations, like the San Francisco Marin Food Bank, they lost their corporate volunteers because people stopped working in the workplace. And people then scattered because they were working from home. They mobilized within days. And so I, had a, I have a nephew who lives here in San Francisco, and he was between jobs. And he called me and he said, I, I, I can volunteer. So I called them and he, he drove meals to people who couldn't come out anymore during the shelter in place. And, but they put out a call immediately. So it is, I think one of the things we have learned, I hope, is that we can be much more um, quick with our decision making. What I applaud that I have seen 
is the quick pivot. And let's face it, Ted, we know our organizations, we know our community, or we wouldn't be successful. And the quick pivot is based on both the observation through the window, but also the intuitive knowledge about the community. And remember that intuition is subconscious intelligence. It's there because we've observed, we've absorbed, and we have somehow processed it, but we just don't need it till that moment. And we have to take this innovation that we have been directed by our communities to undertake in order to continue to thrive. This innovation cannot be lost as we settle into by June, when the majority of people will have been vaccinated and we will be free to move around again, oh, Ted, we can't lose it. Kay, is that, one, is that a concern that, uh, that, that you have, is that this innovation you've, you've mentioned, you know, uh, reduced travel, you know, more efficient time, you know, yep. changing um, your, your partnerships, uh, possible mergers, all these different strategies that you've just, us today are very much tied to, I guess, sort of the, the, the pain and the urgency of the pandemic. Is it your concern that these, uh, these will be lost when the pain and urgency of the pandemic is not immediately before us? Yeah, we, we can't stop walking fast just because we're trying to get away from an enemy. And in this case, our enemy has been the pandemic. We've been walking really fast. And you know what? Yeah. Walking fast is good for your health. And it's also good for the health of our communities. We can be the leaders, Ted. We can be the leaders. We can partner. We have magnificent donors. Bring those donors together. Just make them your thought partners right now. Right now. Nobody's going anywhere for the holidays the, or they should dialogue. Yeah. Start the dialogue now before the you know, the, the, now. the loss of the agency. That's right. Don't okay, wait until. Yeah, and I, ahead, I have, ahead, before we close, I have a lucky 13 list of words that I want to leave with our audience. So when you're ready yeah, for my hold, lucky hold on 13. To that, we're, not, we're not ready to wrap up yet. Uh, what I wanted to say is, is uh, we're going to take a very, very quick break. When we, when we come back, I do want to get to, to those 13, but I also want to just ask you to focus a little bit, as we know, uh, the fault lines of racial justice and food security um, have laid bare for a number of years, and we have renewed interest on the part of funders and charities to make some substantive change. And I want to talk to you about that in terms of how uh, long-lasting and sustainable that is. And we will be right back. Life gets busy. Wouldn't it be nice to have a central place where you could save what's on your mind? With Google Keep, you can stay on top of your world by quickly and easily organizing everything you want to remember. No matter where you are, finalize door list for Thursday's gig. So when you find inspiration, you can file away your ideas, and Google Keep stores them safely across all your devices. And when the time comes, you'll have everything covered. Save what's on your mind. Google Keep. Remember, our podcasts and archives are always free and always available 24 hours a day at tedhart.com on iTunes and now just say Alexa play nonprofit coach on TuneIn. Now back to the nonprofit coach podcast with Ted Hart. And we are back with Case Michael Grace live on the topic of 2020's innovations can create 2021 success and and specifically we had a few things that we wanted to cover in the 6 minutes that we have remaining. Um, Kay, can we first go to, to these, these topics, these really raw topics of racial justice, food security, and other issues that are not new but are getting new attention and new funding? And that's the reason we have to keep innovating. I mean, you, you just said it. 
Um, I've been in, in in this profession a long time, and I've been through a lot of, of periods of of unrest and tragedy in our country. And I will say that I worry that again, when things you know begin to sort out, that we will lose the urgency. And I hope that this time we will not lose the urgency because if we don't solve this problem or get the basics in place to finally solve the problem, and it's education, uh, which is why, you know, organizations, the two boards that I am on right now, you know, we've had somebody come in and work with us and the whole idea of systemic racism, um, and it is true, and we have we have gender uh, inequity, we have racial, ethnic inequity, we have all of this is true. And it you cannot ignore it any longer because it is not an available option anymore because of the population of our country. We had a dream in 1787 that we would be this, America was an idea. It was more than than a government. It was an idea. And the idea we have not always lived up to, beginning with our treatment of the indigenous people and then with the, the slaves and then how we have handled it. But the problem is, Ted, that we crest every once in a while and everybody gets, you know, on the bandwagon and then it fades. And... Our job, and certainly with the funding that is coming in that was reported by Candid, our job has got to be to make sure that this is not a separate issue, that this is an issue that is integral to the well-being of our communities. And that's where I believe our biggest uh, flaw has been in previous efforts. It's always been something over there. You know, oh, yeah, we've got to take care of that. No, this is in the corporate workplace. This is in the government workplace. This is in the nonprofit workplace. From your perspective that this is sustainable or is more real or however you want to cast it, these trend lines are solid and and are very likely to continue. Okay. Um, And because we have activated our young people and our young people are simply, what was it Winston Churchill says? There there are some things up with which I will not put. And our young people are not going to put up with this anymore. And I think... I agree with you. And I think that's a very positive uh, approach for all of us to consider. I do want to get to your your 13... (laughs) Uh, points um, just as we uh, wrap up the time. So the time is yours. Okay. Well, I would like to just say that um, we need to reset. We just need to reset our future based on what we have done. And let's be proud of what we have done in 2020 because it has been remarkable, absolutely remarkable. So this is my list of words. Restructure our organizations, and the way we work. Rediscover our inter-resources. Rearrange, whether it's our office space or whatever we do, or our, our brains. Resilient. We must be resilient. We have to keep bouncing back. We have to keep reflecting because this pandemic has given us time to reflect, and that's why we have been innovative. We have to reimagine how things might be not just how they were. We have to reallocate our resources. We may need to bring in new people and, and bring them along in our programs. We need to re-energize ourselves and our teams. We need to reinvent ourselves if we need it. We need to recommit to mission, vision, and values, rebuild our courage, vision, and strategies, readjust, Each time something unexpected happens, make the needed change. And finally, we need to renew, which in the words of Bob Waterman, describes stability plus change. Take the best and leave the rest. And he certainly, he also added, we also need to surrender the memories. Only in that way. 
can we continue to innovate and pivot? And if your listeners are interested, I can send you that list and you can post it. Well, absolutely. But Kay, in the minute that we have left, how can our listeners be in contact with you? Uh, I have a new website, www.kgrace.org. No sprinkle in the middle because people can't spell it. So just kgrace.org. <laughs> I have a brand new website. And I'm at um, ksprinklegrace at gmail.com. And sprinkle is E-L, not L-E. No matter K what. Ksprinklegrace. Always the professional and always thought-provoking. Uh, we love having you here on our holiday show because this is the perfect time for all of us to be looking forward to the new year. I think many of us are looking forward to 2020 being in the rearview mirror. Uh, <laughs> and we do need innovation. We do need all of your thoughtful uh, approaches to making sure that we have a better chance as a uh, solid success in 2021. Everyone, happy holidays. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to having you here on the Nonprofit Coach in the new year. Thanks, Ted. You've been listening to the Nonprofit Coach Podcast with Ted Hart. Tell all your friends to check out our production schedule and download our iPod and iPad-friendly podcast at tedhart.com. Thanks for listening to the Nonprofit Coach. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.